If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hello to all of our listeners out there. My name is Chris Penner, your guest host once again for the second time this week for this special episode. For those of you who don't remember and missed the previous episode, I manage all things operations for Marketing News Canada's sibling company, Jelly Academy. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with one of the leading educators and trainers in the world of professional sales training. We have Shane Gibson with us here today. Shane is an international keynote speaker and author on digital reinvention, social selling, and sales performance, who has addressed over 200,000 people on stages in Canada, the US, South Africa, Zimbabwe, India, Dubai, Malaysia, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, and Brazil. Shane is number five on the Forbes.com list of the top 30 social salespeople in the world. Additionally, just to add one more point in there, Shane is also the creator and lead instructor for the B2B sales professional course hosted through Jelly Academy, which is accredited through the Canadian Professional Sales Association. Shane, thanks for being here. Hey, great to be here, Chris. Awesome. So let's dive right in here, Shane. Tell us more about your background in sales, why you do what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Wow. So I've been in the sales training space for over 20 years. I keep saying over 20 years. It's actually over 25 years. So it's been a while. And people often joke or ask me, what gets you started or what qualifies you to you know, be a sales trainer, sales author. And I kind of joke and say, it was genetics. And why I say this is I was born into the business, really. My father was a professional speaker, author, sales trainer, kicked his career off in the 80s. And like literally, since I was about seven years old, that was my first sales training, right? Like I couldn't just ask my dad to go out for the weekend and take us to the park. His whole thing was, well, what's your value proposition? Why should I take you? You know, and that was the beginning of my life. But of course, I went off and did the sales person and sales leader thing during the original dot-com boom, selling online advertising, went on to own my own digital agency as well. But I've always been, my heart's always been in sales. And that's how I kind of got into the space. And, uh, you know, it's been 25 plus years that I've been sales training, speaking, writing books, and working with some amazing sales leaders, which is really where I get a lot of my insights from is my awesome clients, you know, and the sales community. That's incredible. Yeah, what a journey. And I mean, when you have a path laid out for you like that, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear where where you're going to end up. But that doesn't happen for everyone. But that's really cool to see. No, it doesn't happen for everybody. And it was interesting because, you know, as I said, I, I, in the world of marketing, wrote books on social media marketing, digital agency. 
but always seem to find my way back to that core discipline of selling and helping people sell better, right? And what was it about sales that drew you in? You know, for me, it's the emails I get. I got a message the other day through LinkedIn, actually. Someone took a course of mine 12 years ago, and then he talked about what it did for his confidence and then how he went into sales, and then he went into sales management, and now he's in senior sales leadership, and, and what it did for his career, and it was a thank you. And now for me, I know he did all the work, so I'm not disillusioned by that, but it's that type of thing that motivates me to teach people what's selling. The fact that, you know, if you look on the balance sheet of most major corporations, you know, the top earners are the CEO and the top salespeople. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting that you can actually equip someone to have an almost limitless career. And that for me is what gets me up in the morning and what motivates me. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about sales is how much you're involved in all aspects of the business in that profession. So on that note, what can you tell us about the demand for sales professionals and the overall sales profession in Canada? Well, I'll give you some anecdotal, kind of my own experience, but also just statistically. So according to the Canadian Professional Sales Association, they're a 14,000-member business association that's been around for over 100 years, which kind of blows my mind. And they've evolved, of course, a lot over the 100 years. But their latest statistics say that there are over 100,000 unfilled job positions at any given time in Canada. And I know personally, working with many of my large enterprise-level clients, whether it's SaaS software or heavy machinery, they've got open positions continually that they take months to fill, finding the right candidates. And so there's definitely a big need in the marketplace for that. And the most lucrative positions are almost always the business-to-business and enterprise sales positions. That's the most coveted and also most in demand. And it's that position where the senior sales leader is willing to wait three, four, six months to put the right person in that position because they're going to hand over their best clients to these people to deal with in many cases. And you mentioned B2B sales. I mean, other than the target audience, what do you think is the biggest distinction between B2B and B2C? And how can someone realistically transition from one to the next? Well, when we're selling to consumers, it's often a fairly emotional layer of selling. It's impulsive. We're looking at kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that drive us. And that selling is very emotional. It's exciting. It's quick. It tends to be transactional. And then when we move into business-to-business selling, there's more money on the table. It impacts more people. If I engage the wrong, let's say, digital marketing company to market my enterprise, and I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on them, and it's the wrong one, (laughs) it's a career-limiting move. It also impacts the whole company. So what happens is the business-to-business decision-making process dictates that the sales process is different because I have to be more of a trusted advisor, a consultant, an advocate. And also, it's not a one-time thing. You're not closing a deal. You're opening a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's a much different set of skills. And you know, some people love that transactional stuff and they're good at it. You know, They work at a car dealership and someone comes in the door and 40 minutes later, they're leaving with a car and they're excited about that. But other people love that idea of long-term relationships and actually being more of an expert than just an order taker. And so that's one of the big differences between business-to-business selling and business-to-consumer. What you'll also find is that your business-to-business selling isn't as vulnerable to consumer sentiment swings in the marketplace. 
So, you know, if you look at high-end clothing stores or automotive dealerships or even real estate, when consumer sentiment drops, you're in trouble. But there are core things in the business-to-business space that no matter what, always sell. And uh, the great thing as a business-to-business sales skills is you can always move to another organization that has an in-demand solution because they're always looking for great salespeople. So that's one of the big differences I see. And it's still emotional. Like when I'm selling that executive, I need to sell both the solution for the company, but also how this is going to make them look good and not threaten their career. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, you still have those B2C skills, but then you layer in like logic and advisory into that process as well. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And we've talked a lot about what sales entails as a professional, but you mentioned your background in marketing, digital marketing, even specifically. Obviously, sales and marketing have to coexist. They have to work together in order for a business to be successful. So from your perspective, your experience, how do they successfully coexist? What does that relationship look like? I think there's a few things. Number one is a shared understanding of the ideal client profile. Like, let's get really tactical and strategic. Is marketing and sales sitting down at the same table when we identify what our ideal client profile is? So many times I've sat down with a sales team, we've brainstormed what, who are ideal clients in the marketplace, who's lucrative, who's going to be the best to upsell and match our solution, and then we share it with marketing, and they're like, oh, we've been focused on a way different persona based upon our data But the salespeople are out there talking to people every day in the marketplace. But they also miss the bigger view that the marketing team has of the market. So they should be sitting at the table together, figuring that out first. That's the first one. The second one, I believe, is around sales enablement, is that at each stage of the sales cycle, there is a need for content and thought leadership that the marketing team can develop for the sales team. You don't want the sales team building that in most cases. And then I think lastly, the nexus point today of sales and marketing is social selling. Social selling, you know, if you look at McKinsey, if you look at Forrester, if you look at LinkedIn themselves, they have a ton of data that shows that social sellers outperform their peers that don't use social media to meet their, reach their clients, find new opportunities, nurture opportunities. And there's so much opportunity for sales and marketing to, at that level, connect at a social networking perspective from content, branding, conversations, collateral materials, business intelligence. So there's those three points I find that most organizations are doing none of them. They haven't aligned their sales and marketing team with the ICP. Marketing's building a bunch of collateral out there, but they're not building stuff to actually help communicate to clients at each stage in the sales cycle that salespeople will actually use. And then lastly, we're not working as a team on our social selling. And so that's the three big opportunities That's one of the reasons in the B2B sales specialist program that we spend a fair bit of time, a chunk two of the modules on social selling and LinkedIn for sales professionals, because that's where our customers are. And that's also where we meet and collaborate with marketing, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you reach so many people on LinkedIn. Maybe you can share some of the tactics. I mean, I follow you on LinkedIn. Before we got on this interview, you were mentioning your use of TikTok for content as well. So maybe you can share some ideas of how you're utilizing social for your own business. Yeah, for my own business. 
So I got into social media and social selling, as you know, like in the dawn of civilization for social mm -hmm. media. Like mm -hmm. I wrote a book in 2009 with Stephen Jagger called Sociable for Social Media for Sales Professionals and Entrepreneur. In 2010, I wrote another book with Jay Levinson, who is the author of the Guerrilla Marketing series of books called Guerrilla Social Media Marketing. And I had some certain ideas about what type of content, because of a decade of experience, the business of business decision makers like. So when I got into TikTok and I started building reels for TikTok and Instagram and YouTube shorts and, and then actually repurposing them for LinkedIn, what's blown my mind is how a senior business decision maker at a major corporation will watch a 30-second video they find valuable and message me saying, I want to work with you. Like that, mm -hmm. for me, blows my mind. <laughs> and so the power of short-form content is here. Consumer-level apps have even trained business decision makers to actually be more intuitive and reactive mm -hmm. in how they engage thought leaders. So that, for me, has been the biggest shift. And what I've been doing is like literally this video that we're on right now or this call we're on right now, we're on video. I'm just talking to the camera for 35 seconds on something I believe in. I'm using the caption device. I'm firing it up. But I've got a system to repurpose it on six platforms very quickly. Yeah. And then it gets created into a blog. And all that takes less than 30 minutes. And I've been just putting out a ton of content. And it's been amazing to watch how quickly your visibility and the opportunities increase. So for me, I'm really big right now on short-form content. I think that's where it's at. And the great thing is short-form content has a lower barrier to entry mm -hmm. as a sales professional than you know, writing blog posts, right? Building infographics, all the stuff that we did yeah. five years ago that we had to do, you know, webinars. Um, all of a sudden it's, do you have enough insights to share 30 seconds of information? <laughs> And can you get it up quickly onto the internet once yeah. or twice a week? And I think, so the barrier to entry and success is actually lowered for sales professionals. And people don't want a polished video. They want exactly. really personalized basic videos. So there's not even a need to do that. So I love what's happening right now. It has gone back to re-democratizing the internet for individuals, right? Yeah. No, I love how you said that. Like, we're a marketing agency, aside from Jelly Academy. We produce very high quality videos for clients as well, but they're for a very certain or specific purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a speaker's reel and I'm redoing my keynote speaker's reel. And it's, you know, HD, right? Landscape. It's going out to conference organizers. It's got, you know, client quotes in it. But that would just die quickly on TikTok. No one mm -hmm. would care. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's really exactly. important on my website and to use for marketing and branding. You're right. So there's, it's not either or, but on a digital, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting with the short form content as well. I think that's also a product of, you know, our ability to do so much in a given day in this mm -hmm. digital economy, this digital landscape. If you think back even 15 years ago and compare what you accomplish in a day, as a sales professional versus what you do today, it's significantly different. You can have 10 Zoom meetings with clients. You don't have to drive to their office necessarily and all these things. So the efficiencies are there. So I think that ties into wanting things to happen quick, fast, and short as well. And I was doing seminars on AI for sales like six years ago. And mm. the only people that were showing up were people who weren't in sales. They were like techies. It was kind of funny, but... As I digress, these tools are there now to make us better, faster. Like I know mm -hmm. ChatGPT has come on, you know, and made a big noise, but you've got tools like Outreach.io and Gong and Grammarly that mm -hmm. all improve you as a salesperson so you can get way more done in the day 
that's important. You get more time to talk to customers, less time to like edit your emails for grammar or make notes about a client meeting or figure out what your next step is in outreach or the prospect. That's all being done for you. So the exciting thing is if you use tech properly, you actually get to spend more time doing what you should do as a salesperson, which is talking to customers yeah. like one-to-one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's nurturing those relationships. Yeah, totally. So let's go back to marketing a little bit and your background. So how do you think your background in marketing set you up for success in the sales world? I mean, one of the big ones, and I'll say this, and I, I watch the looks on their faces because I have them all in the audience, the marketing and the sales team. And I go, what needs to happen is marketing needs to think more like sales. And sales needs to think more like marketing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think that you know, one of the things that helps me as a salesperson is where I'm able to cold prospect someone today and pitch them and I can be on that treadmill, which is great, the outbound. I'm also creating content and brand and relationships and community and all the things that feed referrals and credibility to me as well. So when I'm a good marketer as a salesperson, I have an advantage over someone who's just a pure cold caller. Number one, if you've got a really good personal brand in your network of, let's say, a thousand connections on LinkedIn, and you've built that brand up, and you've built the thought leadership, and you've built the community, no call is a cold call, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the person who's like got on LinkedIn, you've never heard from them before, they connect with you and they call you, you won't even remember you connected with them. And so it's not an either or, it's actually the concept of building personal brand, positioning yourself as a trusted advisor, and then also still going out and getting the business. And so I think that that's a unique space that I think most salespeople should aspire to. And then as marketers, we've got to think more like salespeople in a way of understanding the true sales process. So where marketing and sales alignment work really well is with shared KPIs. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, you know, a client where they do a ton of marketing, but marketing's KPIs are people who show up for their appointments that are in our ideal client profile, <laughs> not number of leads generated. So they generate right. the leads. The SDR team actually is underneath the marketing leader's kind of tent. That team's responsible to qualify, book that appointment for an AE, an account executive or business-to-business sales specialist, then if that person actually shows up for the meeting, and that, by the way, is also the sales specialist's job, is they have to confirm the meeting and make sure they show up. So they share that KPI. So all of a sudden what happens is instead of like complaining about marketing's leads, I'm working with them because we're yeah. both getting rewarded for an ideal client to show up for a meeting. So this is where like KPI alignment and shared metrics and shared goals between the marketing and sales team can be really powerful, Right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, and I love what you said about sales professionals building that thought leadership, and that's where social selling comes in as well. Using social media to build up your thought leadership, build your presence, I mean, that's a marketing function that's helping you as a sales professional. So that makes a ton of sense. 100%. Those marketing fundamentals, and the great thing is, you know, sometimes I, like early on in the days when the title of social media manager came out, and this, mm-hmm. you know, this started like over a decade ago, I always thought that's the wrong title because it means like I own it for the company. So sales shouldn't do it. (laughs) The branding team shouldn't do it. I'm in control of it. Where we know the most successful organizations are actually social enterprises. The CEO is sharing content. The sales team is. The HR team is. And I think we should actually be a social media coordinator and educator and enabler Mm. where I'm training the sales team how to use it effectively. I'm working with the HR team to leverage a tool effectively. I'm coaching the CEO so they don't say something silly on the internet, you know? And that's, I think, the real, and I see many organizations, that's what social media has evolved into, is that you're enabling the whole company to be social. And so I think, like, marketing can do good at mentoring the sales team, but only if they understand the concept of individual thought leadership as well, right? Yeah. Well, and if you think about yourself as you're going through social media, as you're going through LinkedIn, Do you trust that brand that's pushing out content on LinkedIn? Or do you trust that individual who's sharing added value content, who's a real human that you can relate to? Who do you trust? Yeah, like, do you want to talk to Logo or do I want to talk to Chris? Yeah. I want to talk to Chris. And LinkedIn's stats, and I always take them with a grain of salt because they're promoting their platform. Mm -hmm. But their stats are all things being equal. If Chris has a thousand connections and his brand has a thousand connections, LinkedIn says that you get two times the engagement as an individual on the identical content. Yeah. 
So yeah, you're absolutely right. The individual, to get your whole sales team sharing content and having conversations and building community, you're getting twice as much distance than you would if you're doing it from your brand, right? Yeah, totally. Let's switch gears a bit here. I mentioned, you know, people have some misconceptions at the beginning of the podcast. I mentioned people do have some misconceptions about the career as a sales professional. Sure. What do you think is the most common misconception about the profession? Well, you know, I think it goes back to how the profession has been traditionally versus the way it is now. Mm. So in the past, let's say a decade ago, I would talk to sales professionals. I go, how did you get into sales? Well, I was an engineer. And then, uh, you know, kind of hitting my head in the organization, you know, progressing. I wasn't going to go much further. And then my, you know, vice president of sales came along and listened to, I was interacting with customers and they said, you should be in sales. And then I got into sales and here I am. Or someone else would said, well, I couldn't get work as a teacher. So I started selling cars and then I, I'm now here I am 20 years mm-hmm. later. And you, you hear the story where it wasn't someone's first choice. Mm-hmm. And sales was an activity, not a profession in a way, right? It was right. more of like manual labor, right? Like just get someone in here who can fill space and do an activity. And, and then what's occurred now, and this shift I saw probably five, six years ago starting to really happen and now is very prevalent, is like people go to BCIT and their intent when they go to the business program is to graduate with a specialization in sales. Yeah. And then the Canadian Professional Sales Association has their designation as certified sales professionals, certified sales leaders. And what we're seeing is it's being treated as a designation and people are taking it serious as a profession. And they're seeing the potential and also the career arc of like Mm -hmm. where they could actually go from, you can literally go from an SDR, sales development rep, to a CRO, a chief revenue officer, in a few hops these days. And so it's being seen as a profession today, where in the past it was something we did because <laughs> our first plan didn't work out, you know? And so that's, I think, the big difference. And now there still are people who just, who sell. I wouldn't call them sales professionals. They sell. They're untrained. They've got some raw talent. But they don't necessarily have the full competency to move up in their career or even meet their full potential. And that's where I think the right support can get people there, right? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, I certainly would not be anywhere in my career if I hadn't been involved in sales at some point. Mm -hmm. It gave me a real appreciation for so many different facets of different businesses, and you learn so much through sales. So it, it holds a ton of value no matter what stage you're at in your career. Sales is a life skill. Mm-hmm. Like it is a total life skill and it is, I, I like to define selling. And for those people who've you know gone through the B2B sales specialist program, I've mentioned this several times through the program. I define selling as creating an environment where an act of faith can take place or a leap of faith can take place. It's about building trust, credibility to a level where someone feels comfortable moving forward. And so that skill set of gaining rapport with somebody, you know, it doesn't have to happen in sales. You could be just on holiday and chat to someone next to you in a country you've never visited and build a relationship. And then the deal is that you're now going to go off and actually meet the locals and connect and explore things you'd never seen in your life. And that's happened so many times for me because of some of the the one-to-one communication skills I've developed through selling. So even as leaders, sales skills are really great because it's about getting buy-in and persuading our team and motivating them. And so a lot of these skills are also transferable in other parts of your career or life, right? Yeah, totally. 
And we've talked about B2B versus B2C. But for those looking to move into B2B commercial sales, perhaps they've been in retail before, or those looking again to sales for the first time, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice you could give those people? Biggest piece of advice is, I think first one is, continually invest in building your business acumen. Everybody's talking about process, like what should I say, or what is my next step, or what's the ultimate questions I should ask, or how do I write an opener email, or what tools are great for following up. But then you have this conversation with a client, and you can't just be there to like respond and take an order. They're expecting you to add value by partnering with them and actually, they should leave the meeting knowing something they didn't know before or feeling really understood. And so in the past, sales leaders would say, I just need my salespeople to know enough about the product to sell it. And now the buyer is saying, I need salespeople to understand my target market, my business, and how their solution uniquely impacts my companies in ways I want and ways I wasn't aware of. And so this comes from... Your company will, to some degree, educate you, but you have to be a self-motivated self-educator continually. And those people that are, are the ones that people go, how does that person just pick up the phone and without a script, say hello, and next thing you know, they've been invited to the client's office, and now they're good friends. But the friendship came from value, not from taking them to a hockey game, right? And so that, for me, would be my advice is, you know, yes, you need the fundamental sales skills of closing and asking for the next step and following up and being organized and using your CRM. But none of that really matters if on the first question they ask you, you don't have it. You know, and so that's the first one is, and your company will never probably be proactive enough in educating you. Very few. They're going to show you where to look, but you have to do the work, right? And that's, if you can do that, you'll get past that learning curve that other people struggle with. They take through trial and error, they learn about their company over like a year, and then they start to perform. Whereas someone who really invests in their acumen, they can do it in a much shorter period of time. Yeah, I mean, I can relate. I think about my first job straight out of university. I was selling tickets for a professional lacrosse team. And the instruction for me was, make sure you know this script and our ticket prices. It wasn't... Yeah. Go research what other teams are doing in the league, understand the league, understand the teams, the players. So, you know, I'd be getting these questions, you know, oh, is this player going to be playing this year? Is this going to be happening? And I didn't have the answers. I just sounded like a robot going through this script. And until I started to understand, oh, those are the things I need to know. I need to know what value this is bringing to this person who's purchasing. Then it became much easier. So I, I love that advice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, hey, you need to have a super pitch. It's you need to build your knowledge. Yeah. And care. Like really be interested. Right? Yeah. Well, that's been awesome, Shane. I think you've offered some incredible pieces of advice. I love how we've talked about marketing and sales and how they need to coexist how their objectives need to align. So that's been incredible. I'm going to switch gears once again here and move into some rapid fire questions to close sure. things off. Okay. I'll do my best. Yeah, do your best. First off, what was your first job? First job was actually telemarketing, giving away 
free meals to bachelors. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Unique. Yeah, yeah. This guy had a company and he made gourmet frozen food. And this is like before the days of home delivery. Yeah. This is how long ago this was. Dairyland delivered the food. Okay, the milk wow. trucks. Wow. Yeah, and so I would. I, my job was to get a bachelor to agree to order, have the first meal for free so they become a customer. Yeah. And the number of people who thought I was scamming them and hanging up on them and and yelling at me. And I was like, you know, I would have been 16, you know, but it was, you know, convinced several people that we're going to, the milk person's going to show up and give you a frozen meal. And if you love it, we'll sell you more. So yeah. it was a really interesting dial for dollars. And I was a remote worker. The guy gave me a list and I was phoning from my bedroom at home, you know? So that was my first sales job, you know? That's, and I can imagine you learned a lot from that experience. I did. I did. I learned a ton. Yeah. It, you know, back in the day when it was like literally your prospecting list was not LinkedIn, it was the white pages. Yeah. So that's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I won't, I won't ask that as a rapid fire then. What else do we have here? What's your favorite word right now? Empathy. Love it. Empathy. That is a massively, even though we talk about it, is a massively underrated skill and mindset for salespeople and leaders. And the more we can work on that, doors open up, opportunities open up. It's really an incredible tool, right? And so that for me, that's my favorite word right now. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And I think that's just great life advice in general. You never know what someone just went through five minutes ago that's resulting in the reaction or response you're getting from them on that sales call. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Last charity you supported. Vancouver Food Bank. Vancouver Food Bank. Awesome. Love it. Why the food bank? This is over a decade ago. I went through some major personal life changes and my business was having some major challenges at the time as well. And there was a month where I went rent, staff, car, shoot. There's no budget for food. And right. it only entered my mind for a day. I thought, but what the hell am I going to do? And then I was lucky. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. Like I've got other entrepreneurs I know and I'll get some advances and stuff. And But what it did for me is I thought, wow, like, you could go from really successful to having a couple bad months or health issues and whatnot, and then you need food. And so that kind of clicked something for me. And so since then, it's been my favorite charity because I always thought, like, I never needed it, and it was more of a thought, but a reality. And I thought, you know, this is something that's really important. And so that's, for me, my personal experience around it. And uh, so that's why that's important to me. I love it. That's awesome. Movie you love. You know, I'm going to get like really cheesy and date myself, but Braveheart. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I love Braveheart, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know, visionary and sticking to what we believe in and the power of one person's dream and commitment if they're unwavering. Eh? Okay. A couple more here could be a, a book, podcast, newsletter that you'd recommend. You know what? I'm going to go uh, book. I would recommend right now is Keenan's book, Gap Selling. It's been around for a while. I teach in our program, The Art of Asking Questions. 
He's one of the few people out in the marketplace that I feel is like we're really aligned with the way we look at client discovery and leading the client. But he communicates it in such a way. It's a really worthwhile book for anybody in sales. Love it. Awesome. And last but not least, a life hack you'd be willing to share. Life hack I'd be willing to share. Boy, you know what? For me is have multiple mentors. Is, uh, you know, I've got mentors for business. I've got mentors for martial arts and health and fitness. Then I've got mentors in my spirituality side of my life. And then my son, to a large degree, you know, he sells computers. He's 23 years old. He's my technology mentor, you know. And so I say have multiple mentors, you know. Uh, and then those mentors become your community when you're going through a rough spot as well. Or you have this awesome opportunity that you want to share, right? So that would be my advice. Yep, I love that. Mentors have meant a lot to me in my career as well. So I love that point. Well, it's been awesome having you here, Shane. You've shared some incredible advice. Really appreciate your time. Any parting words you'd like to share with the listeners? I mean, parting words would be back to what I said about empathy, is that really great salespeople care. Those that want have extended and sustained career success, not a year of success or two, but a lifetime of sales success, empathy. And then work on being an expert in your industry, your chosen industry, your chosen vertical markets. And that is about putting the work in. ChatGPT is not going to make you smart enough to have a conversation with a client. It might help you write an article, but you have to do the research, the work, understand and really dig in so that you personally offer value in your conversations with your clients. And if you can do that, if you put that thousand hours into getting that good, really hard for a competitor to catch up to. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yeah, if someone reads your chat GPT produced article, loves it, but then gets on the phone with you and you, you can't, <laughs> can't explain that yourself, it's not going to work. So I love no, that. Absolutely uh, love not. that point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Shane. Again, to our listeners, Shane is the producer of our course, The B2B Sales Professional over at jellyacademy.ca. If you're interested in this profession, go and check that out. And thank you all for listening today. And we'll catch you next time on Marketing News Canada. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.